Greetings, folks, and welcome to the 32nd edition of Weber's Whipping Post. I'm Weber, and I'm delighted you took time to listen in. This episode is entitled, Sorry Bear Fans, Not This Year Either. Today, I'm going to talk about that idiot White House press secretary, the Hawaii Fire, Mitch McConnell, North Korean, Karma, and some other material before finishing up with my latest opinion piece. But first, this episode came to you from the George Ryan Jr. Insurance Group. Everybody needs insurance, so why not buy it from the great folks at George Ryan Jr. Insurance who supports programs like mine? You can depend on George Ryan Jr. Insurance, so please go ahead and give George a call at 815-936-0075. That's 815-936-0075. Or look them up on their website and save insurance at grinsure.com. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre thinks we're stupid. She really must. She didn't come out and actually use those exact words, but she left no doubt she thinks that. She recently babbled, the president has done more to secure the border and to deal with this issue of immigration than anybody else. He really has. June saw the single largest month-to-month drop in unlawful border crossings because of the policies this president put in place. Bull. Not one word in that sentence is true, folks. She lied, and we're supposed to believe it. Fentanyl and illegals continue to pour across our southern border. You would think reporters would stop going to her news conferences, but most of them are in on the Biden scam, too. Tragically, the official death count for the Hawaii fire is 115, but there are still nearly a thousand poor souls still unaccounted for. Blame for the fire has been plentiful as dumb looks by Kamala Harris. Democrats hilariously blame global warming. That bunch of blowhards never misses an opportunity to turn everything political. Then it came out the fault belongs to Hawaii's electric company, as it was their power line that started the original fire. But, they said, the firefighters put out that fire, then left the scene, and a second wildfire broke out nearby. I guess they think it's not really their fault. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you like the play? And, of course, the lawyers and ambulance chasers are now involved. Lawsuits are popping up like popcorn from lawyers all over the country. Maui County says Hawaiian Electric should have shut off the power due to high winds, which, would you believe, Hawaii Electric says it's factually impossible, irresponsible, and it's the county's fault. What a tragedy of epic proportions. It'll be interesting to see how this all settles. Well, he did it again. Senate Minority Honcho Mitch McConnell froze up for 30 seconds at the microphone while answering Porter's questions. One reporter asked him if he was going to run for Senate again in 2026 when he looked like a turtle popping his head out of its shell. Congress is covering for him, saying the 81-year-old suffered a concussion from a recent fall, which is causing the freezes. He needs the rest. If you recall, McConnell did the same thing a month ago. Strike two, Mitch. You're hovering close to Joe Biden and Dianne Feinstein territory. Perhaps you should take your ill-gotten gains from insider training with your Chinese in-laws and retire to a porch in the backwoods of Kentucky. Presidential hopeful Nikki Haley correctly called the Senate the most privileged nursing home in the country. 
Last week, the United States, South Korea, and Japan were conducting military drills in the Sea of Japan. That sea is bordered by Japan to the east and both South and North Korea to the west. While this was going on, little rocket man Kim Jong-un lobbed a couple of missiles into the sea. He was evidently showing off his muscles or just lonely he couldn't play too. If it wasn't so pathetic, this would have been funny. Kim the Great was quoted as saying, Owing to the reckless confrontational moves of the U.S. and other hostile forces, the waters off the Korean Peninsula have been reduced into the world's biggest war hardware concentration spot, the most unstable waters with a danger of a nuclear war. To Kim, those nukes are like a quarter in a little boy's pocket. They both just have to spend it. China should take the nukes away from them for the same reason little boys should never have matches. Now this is karma, baby. A San Francisco councilman, Kalima Perforce, was giving a speech on crime and public safety to shopkeepers. Naturally, shopkeepers are concerned about the smash and grab thefts going on in their stores on a daily basis. You heard of mansplaining? Well, Kalima was politician-splaining. He thought they needed to be better prepared, have better cameras, and better surveillance. But the word police did not enter in that speech. But this is the good part. While he was doing all that lecturing, expelling all that hot air, someone stole his wallet and keys from his bike bag. Wonder why they left the bike. Leaving the bike reminds me of a funny story involving one of my daughters. A diehard Packers fan herself, she had been given a bowling ball in a Green Bay Packers bag for her birthday one year. She carried it in her car just in case a bowling match broke out somewhere. One night, there were a string of burglars in the town we lived in. Kids were breaking into cars and stealing stuff. Well, they broke into her car and stole her bowling ball, but would you believe they left the packer bag? Seems to me it'd be easy to carry the ball in a bag, but there again, I'm pretty advanced. The kid had to have been a Bears fan. In her infinite wisdom, the Los Angeles City Council has unanimously voted to file a lawsuit against Texas. Seems they had their shorts in a while because Texas Governor Greg Abbott keeps sending busloads of illegal immigrants to their doorstep. Abbott has gifted Los Angeles 435 illegals since June. Los Angeles, a sanctuary city, doesn't like it. Makes one wonder why they became a sanctuary city, but that kind of logic is lost on liberals. Said one exasperated snowflake council member, the competition between these Republican governors about who could be more racist, I think, is just an utter failure and shows clearly that they do not have any intention to govern effectively. Uh-oh, Governor Abbott, you in trouble. The race card has been thrown down at your feet. You must immediately cease and desist sending all those illegal immigrants to that sanctuary city right now. Take them back and shut up. Everything is supposed to stop once a liberal hurls that word racist at you. Don't you know that, for the love of God? Since Abbott started exporting illegals, more than 30,000 have been delivered to Democrat cities, and those cities don't like it one bit. The New York governor and the mayor of New York City are fighting over it. The Massachusetts governor activated the National Guard to deal with the influx of people. The Washington, D.C. mayor screams at anybody who will listen, and now Los Angeles is considering suing. 
Surely Chicago is planning something, too. Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass was quoted, We hear about the buses headed our way when they're on the way. We have no idea who's going to be on that bus, how many people it is, or what condition they're going to be in when they get here, Bass said last Wednesday. Sometimes they haven't had any food, barely had enough water. Well, no shit, Karen. You think Texas knows any of those answers when the illegals get to their state? These Democrats talk a big game, but they are just empty political hacks that don't want those illegal immigrants any more than Texas does. If Biden closed the damn border and finished the wall, these problems would go away. As for the poor Mexican people looking for a better life, if our government would just declare war on the cartels and corrupt Mexican politicians, life would dramatically improve on both sides of the border. I'm sure those people would rather remain in their country where they were born and know where their relatives are, but life must be so hard there right now, what other choice do they have? When you see children caught up in this quagmire, it makes your blood boil, but they have to be subjected to this political football at the hands of evil, vile politicians. But Washington, D.C., particularly under first Obama and then Biden, turns a blind eye towards all the human misery that is caused with that border being open. You know, we've all heard that laughter is the best medicine. Now, there's scientific proof. A study from Brazil shows regular giggling expands heart tissue and promotes the flow of oxygen in the body. This, in turn, reduces cardiac disease. The study included 26 patients, averaging 63 years old, mostly men, all with coronary artery disease. Half the study watched comedy shows for three months, and the other half were stuck watching documentaries. The bunch watching comedy showed a 10% greater flow of oxygen in a stronger heart. I don't know about this, folks. First, I happen to like documentaries. And if they stuck me watching Jim Carrey or Steve Carell comedies, I'd want to commit suicide. But give me a good John Candy comedy, and I'd probably feel much better, too. A couple more rockers are gone. Jack Sonny, who was known as the Dire Straits' other guitarist, has died at the age of 68. Jack backed Dire Straits founder Mark Knopfler, leaving the band in 1995 after the birth of his daughter. And sorry, Parrotheads, also passing this week was Jimmy Buffett, the originator of drunken rock and roll. Jimmy was 76. He penned one of my favorite songs, Come Monday. Speaking of rockers, here's a strange but true fact about the classic song Freebird by Leonard Skinner. There can't be anyone that's not heard of Freebird. The streaming service Spotify keeps track of the numbers of times the song has been streamed on their platform. Would you believe the song Sweet Home Alabama has been streamed twice as much as Freebird? Sweet Home Alabama has streamed over 1.1 billion times, whereas Freebird, 544 million times. I find this incredible. But even more incredible is the song Blinding Lights, which I had never heard before, by a group called The Weeknd, a band I never heard before, has been streamed the most in history 3.8 billion times. Legendary bands like Pink Floyd and the Rolling Stones have no songs streamed a billion times. Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett have no songs streamed a billion times. The Beatles have one song that streamed a billion times. 
The supposedly greatest song in rock and roll history, Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin, has not been streamed a billion times. What's wrong with this picture? Evidently having the feeling they were losing their stranglehold on Americans, politicians, bureaucrats, and media schmucks are beginning to once again tout masks and other ridiculous COVID mandates, claiming COVID is making a comeback. They labeled their new variant EG.5 and to watch out for another variant called BA286. Fauci must be lining them up or something. New York City's health department advised residents to mask up during the Labor Day weekend, even though cases this summer are below what they were last year. There are 7,888,000 New Yorkers, and they've had 825 cases in the last week, about the same number of cases of venereal disease reported weekly. Bonehead Biden has even mentioned more vaccines. I mention this not as a public health announcement, but more of a declaration that I'm not going to be forced into wearing another useless paper mask or stand on my head for the politicians and bureaucrats that promote this crap. I haven't felt the same since I got the last shot, which I only got because of crews we had money invested in. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, well, I think you know the rest. Speaking of bonehead Biden, he had another senior moment when finishing speaking to reporters at FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency headquarters. He turned away from the dais to walk away and then asked his handlers where he was going. Nobody had the intestinal fortitude to tell him he was going to hell. I would. During his speech, he told reporters the country needed a hell of a lot more money to deal with climate change deniers, whatever the hell sense that makes. Hey, Joe, I'm a climate change denier. When it comes to blaming it on man and not on Mother Nature cycles, you can give me all the taxpayer money you want, Joe, and I'm not changing my mind, particularly if you were John Carrier behind it. Hey, did you hear about that kid from Minnesota who went fishing and caught someone else's billfold instead of a walleye? True story. Hunter Halsa of Moorhead, Minnesota, was fishing on Lake of the Woods over the July 4th holiday. He reeled in what he thought was going to be a big fish, and instead it was an old brown billfold covered in seaweed and slime. Inside was the driver's license of the owner, along with credit cards and about $2,000 in cash. The billfold belonged to Jim Dinney from Mount Air, Iowa, who lost it while fishing 13 months prior. We know that because Connor sent the billfold and its contents back to Jim. Mr. Denny wanted the boy to keep the cash, but he wouldn't hear of it. Jim had a nice Yeti cooler wrapped with Connor's name and a fish on it, then drove the eight hours up to Boarhead and took the entire family to dinner. You see, folks, there are still good people in this world. Talk about tough. Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson had to make cuts in his roster this past week to get down to the league-mandated 53-man limit. One of those cuts was his own son, Josh, a tight end. Josh had formerly played in the USFL with the Houston Gamblers. This marks the fourth time he has been cut by a professional team, having previously been signed by the 49ers, Saints, and Chiefs. When asked about it by reporters, Doug reminded him that he also spanked Josh when he was younger, too. 
Now that Miami Mayor Suarez has dropped out of the GOP race for president, perhaps other candidates should follow suit. It's my opinion anyone polling under 5% should be tossed on their ear, particularly since Trump is over 50%. By the way, he'll go higher in the polls if Dems will just indict him one more time. Anyway, that would eliminate Will Hurd, who nobody ever heard of, Doug Burgum, or Asa Hutchinson, who are all well below 1% of the vote. Why are those guys wasting our time? Also, out in his keister would be Tim Scott at 3%, which could possibly set him up as a potential VP candidate. This would also get rid of Trump hater Chris Christie at a paltry 3.6%, Mike Pence at 4.4%. And it would leave us with a better field of Trump, DeSantis, Ramaswamy, and Haley. Speaking of Haley, if you follow politics and news the way I do, you will notice the media has decided she's the one they have decided to promote. She's their gal. She's anti-Trump, making her the great white hope in the media's eyes. Don't believe it? Just watch the headlines from any news agency when mention is made of any other of the candidates. The other day, a CNN headline read Trump lead was evaporating and Haley was surging. Trump had gone from 52% to 50%, and she had increased less than 1%. The media in this country is our worst enemy with their constant propaganda. According to Mara Judkis, who toils at the Washington Compost, that's Jeff Bezos' personal newsletter, the best store-bought hot dog comes from, believe it or not, Costco. Their Kirlin beef hot dogs got the number one ranking due to their solid salt and garlic balance. Nathan's Angus beef franks and the staple we all know, Oscar Mayer classics, came in second and third, respectively, although the ranking really wasn't close. And finally, allow me to toot my own horn, please. Over the Labor Day weekend, I participated in our golf Calcutta at the Kankakee Country Club. Most clubs have this event with four-man teams drawn randomly. Our club calls this event the Rollison, and it is quite well known. Well, our team won with a score of 32 under par, making my third win in 34 tries. That makes me truly a lucky man, folks. There are members who went their lifetime without winning a Rollison. It's quite the honor to get your team picture on the wall, too. Many thanks to my team members, Captain Keith Decker, our most viable player, Judge Mike Kick, and my son-in-law, Jerome Warner. By the way, it's the second time Jerome and I have played together and won the big prize. Hey, this podcast is brought to you by Jeff and Brandon Chiro at Port Street Ford, now in their 40th year servicing the Kankakee County area. Stop by their showroom at 558 William Latham Drive in Bourbonnais. You can save up to $6,000 on a selection of Ford 150 pickups, which is what I drive. Core Street Ford is open from Monday through Saturday, offering new car and truck sales, pre-owned autos, and vehicle servicing. You can call them at 815-348-7024 or check out their website at www.corestreetford.com. Order the Ford of your dreams today. Speaking of sponsors, hey folks, I'm still looking for more sponsors. If you're interested in advertising on my program, just drop me a line at aweber, 
1957 at gmail.com. Note that there's two B's in Weber. Now it's time for my latest commentary called Sorry Bear Fans, Not This Year Either. Hello, sports fans. Ready for some football? The 2023 pro football season starts next week, and I'm pumped. We have one of the most iconic matchups in all the sports first on the agenda. For the 207th time, those goons from Chicago, the Bears, will play the beloved and rugged men in green and gold, the Green Bay Packers. The game will be played in Chicago. The Pack will be putting their current eight-game win streak over the Bears on the line with a brand-new quarterback. Gone is the great but pouty Aaron Rodgers, who has historically owned the Bears. In his place up steps Jordan Love. He had three years of sitting on the sidelines and watching one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. Contest kicks off at 3.30 Central Time. The Packers are a 10-point underdog in this game. I'm not saying the Packers will win this game, folks, but I think they will get beat by just a few points on a late fourth-quarter missed field goal by a brand-new kicker. I also believe the Packers will win the second game at the end of the year in Green Bay. In the series between the two teams, the Packers hold an edge of 105 victories, while the Bears have 95 victories, and there's been six ties. The Bears are the NFL franchise with the most wins at 803. The Packers are second with 790, although they would be first if playoff wins were added. The Packers are the first team to win 100 games against another team, which is the Bears, in NFL history. Quarterbacks Bart Starr, Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers have 62 of those wins. Green Bay has 13 NFL championships, including four Super Bowls, the most championships in NFL history. The Bears have won nine championships and one Super Bowl, second most in history. The Bears have had 30 players inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The Packers have had 26. The Bears have had two unbeaten seasons, and the Packers won. So take that, Miami Dolphins fans. These two are among the league's oldest franchises, having played in respective cities the longest. The Packers were founded in Green Bay by Curly Lambeau in 1919. The Bears, originally called the Decatur Staleys, were founded by George Hallis, also in 1919, although it was 1921 before they moved to Chicago and turned pro. Surprisingly, the Arizona Cardinals are the oldest team in the NFL, having been founded in 1898 in Chicago. Historically, the Bears have had strong defenses and running games. Arguably, they had the greatest running back in history in Walter Payton and the best defense in 1985. I was fortunate enough to see Payton play, and there was no comparison. The immortal Red Range and Gale Sayers were also Bears. The Packers have always had great quarterbacks with Hall of Famers Arnie Heber, Bart Starr, Brett Favre, and the soon-be-inducted Aaron Rodgers. They also employed perhaps one of the greatest receivers in the history of the game with Hall of Famer Don Hudson. When Lambeau decided to found a pro football team in Green Bay, he sought sponsorship from his employer, the Indian Packing Company. Just think of the hubaloo had he named them the Indians instead of the Packers. Later, Acme Packing bought Indian, and the club sported the name Acme Packers on their jerseys for a while. The Bears got their name from playing in Wrigley Field, home of the baseball Chicago Cubs, a common practice at the time. 
There was actually a pro football franchise named the New York Yankees. The two teams first played each other on November 27, 1921. The Bears won 20 to nothing. For barroom betting purposes, Pete Stinchcomb scored the first touchdown in their series history with a 45-yard run. George Hallis himself also played in the game and caught a touchdown. On September 28, 1930, the Packers shut out the Bears for the fifth consecutive time, still a record in the league. And in a game on September 25, 1932, the two teams played to a scoreless tie, the lowest scoring game in history. That same year, Chicago couldn't make its payroll, so they received a $1,500 loan from the Packers to stay afloat. The Packers used to play four home games at Milwaukee Stadium every year, but only once against the Bears, which is 1974. I attended a couple of games there, and it was horrible, especially if your seat was behind the players. For some reason, they would line up both teams on the same side of the field. For those believing the Packers are rebuilding, you might be mistaken. They should have an improved top 10 defense, one of the best offensive lines in the league, a tandem of running backs on par with any team, and speed. The wild card is the first-year quarterback, Jordan Love. Sorry, Bear fans, not this year either. So after further review, the Bears still suck. That's all I got, folks. If you like this podcast, please, please, please tell others. Check out my blog at www.weberswhippingpost.com. Thanks a million for listening. Bye now.